Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And we are up to episode number 170. That's 170. And I decided it was time to start going back and interviewing some of the people who were the early guests on the show when I didn't know what I was doing. And so today, guest number seven has come back, and that's pretty good. A year and a half later, he was on in mid-October 2014, but uh, he is the person who actually inspired me to start this podcast. When I originally met Michael, he was uh, uh, he's the host of the Solopreneur Hour. I was an avid listener of the show, and he was kind of giving me some advice, and he said, you got to start a podcast, and I thought, oh, come on, you want everybody to start a podcast. But then I drank the Kool-Aid and I saw what Michael was all about. So our guest today is Michael O'Neill, and he is the host of the Solopreneur Hour, and he does all kinds of things. He's a watch enthusiast, he owns a classic Porsche that he races, and uh, he's a little bit whacked in the head about living in San Diego. And so we're going to talk about all of that. And what's great is as I bring these guests back, we don't have to necessarily follow the script. We can just go along and talk about anything. So Michael, welcome back. The cool Tom, things entrepreneurs uh, do. First of all, 170. 170. Really? Really. That's unreal. Yeah. Congratulations. I, I don't know how it that's, happened. It's going to be two, It's going to be 200 in no time. That's really, um, wow. Uh, and I'll tell you, man, it's, it's a slog. Um, I heard, I was at uh, Social Media Marketing World this weekend, and I watched Cliff Ravenscraft speak, also a big podcaster. And he said most episodes, most shows don't make it after episode seven. Wow, so seven. See, you, and you were you were episode number seven. So I yeah, had I had that, to keep that going. It. That could have been the thing that put us over the top. That could have been the last episode of the show. But <laughs> well done, my friend. Well, and well you know, done, it, sir. It might actually be a term I picked up from you. But when I talk to people who want to start podcasts, I always tell them they have to be scheduled, or else they're going to have pod fade, which pod is where their fade. their That's podcast not one of mine. fades I think away. It might be uh, JLDs. Right, I just heard I've somebody heard say, it. say pod fade. Lately. Yeah, it just fades away. So, Michael, what I, what I always think about you is how I sort of discovered you, but you're actually multifaceted and done a lot of things. But I think about the Solopreneur Hour, and that is a podcast that is a highly ranked podcast. It's listened to by a lot of people in the entrepreneur and solopreneur worlds. What brought you to start the Solopreneur Hour? Uh, selfishness, <laughs> really. Um, if I'm being honest, it, it was uh, the idea that I could uh, – that I would have an excuse – to talk to some people that were really interesting and, and inspirational to me and I was very curious about. And uh, the, the format and the target were such that, that I could reach across, um, you know, uh, job borders, career borders. And so it wasn't just for entrepreneurs. I could talk to comedians and actors and and athletes and you know real estate agents or whatever anybody anybody basically when you hire their business but you really get them that's what a solopreneur is to me so um it was it was this idea that that i could uh, under the guise of having this show recorded i could have these really great legitimate conversations with with these people that i i found very interesting and and i was very curious about so that was the original impetus for the show. 
Well, you know, it's really interesting because I've been a solopreneur for seven years. It's actually a term that I've embraced since the very beginning. And so that's sort of how I stumbled upon your show is I actually searched the term to see what was oh, out wow. there in the podcast world because I I was one who I left the corporate world seven years ago and I've worked entirely kind of for myself. But the thing about the podcast that I found so interesting in my 170 episodes is I've only had two people say no to me about being interviewed for the show. And so what I've found very interesting is kind of like you said, you can reach out to anybody and they pretty much are willing to, to chat with you for 30 minutes and to be on the show. And I've been teaching sort of networking skills and building your brand and getting engaged in your community for over a decade. And the single best tool I've ever had to meet people is my podcast. Yeah. yeah. So have and you I, found I, the same I think thing? That's, yeah, of course. It, it opens, <laughs> excuse me, it opens so many doors that you... Uh, well, that certainly I didn't expect when I opened when I started the show, and and then there's a there's a real transparency to it that is is much more intimate than radio or or I would even say YouTube, where people really get to know you on your show because it's I mean of course it depends on your format and that kind of thing. With mine, it's so conversational and I put so much of my actual self into the show that you know this weekend at Social Media Marketing World there was a lot of people that were like man, I, I really feel like I know you. How's blank and blank and this and that, you know? And I think that's very different than what you might hear, you know, from traditional radio or even from, you know, certainly from television or YouTube, um, which is much more, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like curated, if you will. Sure, it's you definitely, know, it's, your show has definitely been something that's been very intimate, would be a word that I would use. I mean, you've shared sort of the the journey that you've been on from sort of having your career be a, in, you know, I'm sorry to say this, but like in the crapper, I think, you know, it would be a fair thing. And losing your parents to all of a sudden having all of this success and momentum. And, and you've sort of taken everybody along that journey and, and just shared some of the, the dark sides of life. And I think that that is something that audience members relate to. In fact, when I was a guest on your show, we weren't the solopreneur hour, we were like the Soul opener hour in 15 minutes because we spent the first 20 minutes talking about, you know, being somewhat young and having your parents die. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And that's for me, I, I need an hour uh, with my guests because I do find that, you know, music to my ears is whenever anybody says, well, I've never said this on another show before. Right. <laughs> um, and that happens pretty frequently. And that happens, I think, because I do spend the first 10, 15 minutes of every show on a very non-sequitur uh, idea. We'll talk about whatever. We'll talk about car stereo stuff. You know, we'll talk about you know, the latest event or something in the Super Bowl, whatever will happen. And, and I do that very intentionally so I can get them loose and, and talking and used to telling stories so that you know, later on when we dig into the actual you know, meat and potatoes, that they're willing to share some stuff that they, they maybe never thought of or that would now make... Uh, it, that's more relevant now that we've covered a little of the background that they couldn't have because the context wasn't there that they couldn't have illustrated uh, before on other shows. And so it's pretty, you know, it's funny because the, my show is for the most part, you know, it, it's pretty, it's very unscripted, first of all, but there's a rudder, you know, I've got a rudder going and, and the rudder's typically not very transparent to the audience. Um, I, I often have a, a very specific, either goal for the show or, you know, I know the moves ahead of time. And so I'd like to, sometimes there's a narrative that I, that I'm trying to play out and I'm trying to see if I can get to that narrative, if I'm correct about it, if I, if the assessment I've made about this person is correct, or 
if it's just kind of like, I'm going to let this thing go wherever it goes, you know? And that, that just happened. I mean, I had an episode a couple of days ago uh, that launched yesterday, episode 411 of my show. And with this guy, Mike Michalowicz, and it was so funny because we, we got into, we're both 44, and we, we both seen, uh, as, as have you, Tom, um, we've seen nomenclature for very common things change so many times. Like, what am I supposed to call this ethnic group again? Or what am I supposed to do? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so we were sort of joking about that. And, and it went, I mean, it went, we went 20 minutes. We went 20 minutes down that, that hole. And it was hilarious, but it was really like, it was very topical and very uh, poignant because people were like, man, I, you're right. I don't know what to, what do I call the rug that I got from Asia? Is it an oriental rug or is it an Asian rug now? Like, what do I do? You know? <laughs> and, and, and like, we sort of went down this thing, which, which is, it's interesting how society has become so increasingly offended in the last 30 years, you know, more than they ever were, I think. Well, and it, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and people are always second guessing. I did something the other day that was totally innocent and I don't want to go into what it was, but someone else came up to me and said, you might've offended that person by what happened. And I got very conscious yeah. of it because Michael, I would never offend anybody. And this was, you know, it was in a, I mean, I Why? knew everybody in the room. Why wouldn't you? Well, I'm a nice guy. I, mean, I would never intentionally go and say, hey, I want to piss you off. It's just not my style. But what I did was was very innocent. And I went up and I apologized to the person. And I pointed out that that person said this might have been offensive. And the person, she laughed and gave me a big hug and said, oh, I got over being offended long ago. And mm. I thought, well, boy, yeah, you are the I, exception. I don't believe in that, I don't think. I mean, there's one thing if you are, because I think if being offensive is all about intent. Right. Well, that's and, what I mean, yeah. Right. So, so if you said something, and, and I think what happens now is that people get way too easily offended by, by anything, even if the intent is not there, you know? Well, like, and that's what this person was saying is you had right. no intent to do that. So, right. I, you know, I'm not mad. Right. So, like, it's, it's – um, and, yeah, certainly it's gray, you know, but, but it's, you wonder how much – like, if you apologize for it then, it, then it makes it real. Then you did – you're admitting that you did something wrong and then you – and I don't, I don't know that I feel like that should be okay. I yeah. see comedians do that all the time. It drives me nuts. Well, and again, I didn't apologize for doing it. I apologized right. if it was taken as offensive. And the person, she found it funny that a third person who wasn't related to anything that happened would come up and interject <laughs> into that. And I, we kind of had a good sure. laugh about it. Well, that's but. how it is, dude. It's not the people that are, that are you know, the, the issue. Um, we, do you know PJ Dixon? Uh-uh. Did you ever meet PJ? Uh-uh. A great friend. He's a great friend. Uh, he's um, in... Uh, He's in a wheelchair. He's been, does he have, does he have uh, muscular dystrophy? I forget the, the actual affliction he's got. He was supposed to live till he was seven. He's now 45. Spectacular guy. Um, couldn't be funnier with his, with his, you know, handicap. I know you're allowed to say handicap now. So um, he, couldn't, he couldn't be less offended by it. But everyone around him would be constantly offended by by this stuff. Oh, God, are you okay, PJ? He's like, what are you talking about? It's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. Um, he said some things on my show that I won't repeat because it's a, a family show um, that made me laugh so hard that were, would be crazily offensive to most people if they were coming out of if it was that third person, if the third person heard it and not the person that was actually part of the affliction who typically has a very great sense of humor about it, you know, at this point. So... Well, Michael, anyway. I want to back up because I brought something up and I wanted to ask you about it. You've been very yeah. transparent about your life. And do you yeah. think that as, as a host, but also as an entrepreneur and someone who is sort of a, what I would call a pseudo celebrity, do you think it's, it's a good idea just to be so open with the, the pitfalls along the way? 
Yeah, and by the way, to clarify, my business was never in the in the crapper. The, my <laughs> life was, but my business was always pretty good. Sorry. Um, the I I think that at least in in my particular space, and this is a choice I made. In my particular space, it's very easy to to bring that word up again. It's very easy to curate a a a, a life online. So I can I can easily show someone uh, like this lifestyles of the rich and famous life if I wanted to. Um, because we get, uh, we get lucky, you know, sometimes, and, and sometimes people invite us to things and we're not expected to be there, but all of a sudden there's a private jet or there's a country club or there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you, you can easily take that and, and illustrate that, that that's the default and people do it all the time in, you know, the entrepreneur space. It's like all about, you know, it's all about the Benjamins. And so I've chosen to keep not only my conversation as real as I can, but, but my, my life. I want people to see what this is really like. It's not always easy to be, I mean, heck, it's rarely easy to be a solopreneur. Um, there's huge, colossal upsides to it, like time freedom and being able to, you know, and with some luck and some perseverance and financial freedom um, and location freedom. But, but generally, you know, it can be a slog. And I want people to know that, hey, there's, there's you know, there was a good 10 years of work before this happened. And there was, you know, many years before that being a designer and a branding guy and, and, you know, working in agencies, I knew my stuff and I wanted people to understand that, that you can't just, you know, just because a new platform comes out like, uh, uh, whatever Periscope and it's three weeks old, you can't start creating courses on making a six figure income from Periscope, (laughs) you know, but people do it all. There's a lot of people who did that. Right. And, and they've never done that. They've never made a six-figure income from Periscope. So, and so that's the thing is I, I'm, I'm going to do my best that when someone listens to the show and then they meet me, they go, oh, same dude, you know? Right. Which, which, which is easier because I don't have the capacity to, to put on a whole thing. Well, I can vouch <laughs> for that because I listened to your show and then I met you and you were pretty much the same dude. Yeah. So yeah. What, what has been the biggest thing? Because you've rubbed shoulders, you know, you're buddies with some of the top podcasters, you know, around. And, and you got into it fairly early. I mean, there was a long time it existed where nobody was there. But you got in early enough before podcasting sort of tipped. What's been the biggest thing you've learned over the past, I guess it's only been three, three and a half years, from what's happened with podcasts? Um, I, first of all, I wouldn't want to launch a show now. Um, I wouldn't want to launch my show now. I, I've just launched a show with a legitimate celebrity um, two months ago. With a two, we had a two million social media following, four, you know, four hundred something thousand on Twitter and one point six million on Facebook, and that's still a slog. It's still like <laughs> it's still hard to get earballs on your on your content. Do you want to um, go ahead and say who you're who you're helping with their show? Um, yeah, it's it's a football player named Heinz Ward. Uh, he's he played with yeah, the Pittsburgh he's Steelers for you know fourteen years and won a couple of Super Bowls. Then he won Dancing with the Stars and and did an Ironman triathlon. Like, so really, and had just a big audience, but it's still hard to get humans from the social media to iTunes to listen to the show. You know, the numbers are better than what you'd get if you were Joe podcaster. Right. If you were but, me. <laughs> right. But you, but they're not, they're not what you'd think when you, you're bringing 2 million to the table. You know? Right. I mean, you'd think, oh my gosh, it's Heinz Ward. Boof. This is going to be like the number one rated podcast within a month. Right. We're going to do 80,000 downloads an episode right out of the gates. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not, sir. Um, it's very noisy out there. So I've learned that. Um, my show is, will be three, three in August. So um, it, it's, 
and I'm, you know, I'm approaching, I'm approaching eight, eight million downloads for my show. And, um, which is okay. I, I would love to see a steeper curve on it at this point than it, than is there, but it's steady and it's, it grows steadily and it's still, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, there was a, there was a realization that that is how it was. Like you have this and you experience this too, right? So there's the, there's the 45 degree angle of growth that happens and then it's going to level off and that, then that angle is going to be very, very thin and you're going to just grow and grow and grow and grow. And that's where the time part comes in. Um, so I've learned that I've learned that most podcasters are pretty bad at podcasting um, and that they don't pay enough attention to th- what has come before us, traditional media and, and uh, in all facets. I think that there's still a bit of a disconnect with people that are podcasters that don't realize that they are journalists and broadcasters at this point. They still don't realize that they're part of what you, you would say, television, radio, film, you know, podcasting. YouTube, those are all media outlets at this point. And I think people just haven't really put that together, that this is a legit form of, of media and entertainment. So I think we're going to just continue to see people's skill sets uh, climb as we, as we go over the next couple of years. And I hope it happens quickly because the more talent that people have on the air, the more people listen to podcasts, the more people listen to podcasts will find my show. And uh, more advertisers for everybody. That's how I think about it. Well, and you are right in the fact that, first of all, the talent isn't natural right out of the gate. So I've done 170 shows now. And if I go back and listen to, you know, the first few, I cringe at, you know, how robotic maybe I was. And as I think and, you know, sort of how copycat I was of some other things. And as I listen now, I let my own personality come through. I recently was asked by a client when I was the master of ceremonies if after a keynote speech, I would, you know, sit on the stage in a couple of high boys with a couple of microphones and just live interview the speaker rather than doing an open Q&A session. And I did. And afterwards, the client came up to me and said, oh, my God, that was better than the speech. You know, the, the, your, your interview was fantastic. The audience is going on and on about, you know, that interview. How, how are you so good at that? And I said, that's over 100 podcasts, you know, right, being able right. to listen, how to go deeper. And I think that's one of the problems that I see with podcasts is people think they can just have a formula and just ask that and don't go anywhere else. Yeah. And, and <laughs> sometimes. At, at this conference last weekend, um, Gary Vaynerchuk was there. And Gary, if you know who he is, he's, mm-hmm. the, he's a multi, multi-time uh, best-selling author, uh, New York Times, number one best-selling author. Who, ha- who hasn't and been on your show yet. That's true. What's that's very thing? true. Um, we did talk about it. Um, and uh, he's known for, when you bring him into an event... He is a ranting, raving, cursing, like ball of energy. Like he just paces around the stage and he, he, he rants about stuff and he curses and it's, it's very entertaining. Uh, so once you get over all the F-bombs, you can really kind of dig in and see this guy's really passionate about what he does. Well, for some reason, they decided at this conference to do that exact thing that you just said, which is put a couple of hybos out and, and have an, like an interview format. So initially I thought, First of all, why am I not the guy interviewing him, right? Mm-hmm. I should be the guy. Right. Because um, I could do a, I think I thought I could do a better job than the guy who's doing it. But then after a couple minutes, I said, ooh, I would never want to be this guy because Gary was clearly irritated by it. Right. He didn't like, he didn't, 
He didn't like it. The crowd didn't like it at all. We lost one third of the audience. Well, Gary doesn't want to be corralled. Then that's no, the, that's and I they mean, tried to corral him. Yeah, and that doesn't they, work. So I've never I've seen Gary probably eleven or twelve times, and um, I've never seen him. Uh, I've never seen an audience leave right ever. ever. So uh, literally a third of the audience was gone by the time the forty five minutes passed before he got to Q and A, and I thought, man, you know the 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 rookie mistake that this guy made, which is exactly what you just said, was he didn't eject from his questions. He right. should have read the room. Yep. He should have leaned over to Gary and said, hey, you know what? Why don't you stand up and go do your q and Just, just you know? let's and do just this. And just let me get out of here. Right. Let me get out of your way. And, and I get the ego play. You know, he's there. He's interviewing Gary in front of whatever, 3,000 people. It's, it's awesome. Like, it's a, it's a real feather in your cap. But um, holy moly, it was a tense, like, weird <laughs> vibe. And everyone's looking at the Twitter, like the Twitter feed of the event was going bonkers because it's a social media conference. So everyone's on all social media and they're going, <laughs> why are they doing this with Gary? Like, what's the deal? So, well, and Gary's uh, always, one. Gary's always been sort of, you know, different. And that's the other thing is people try to copy Gary and you, you can't, I mean, he's authentic. It goes back to what you were saying about just wanting to be authentic. I had the opportunity to meet him. It's got to be six or, well, I was still working in a job, so it has to be eight years ago when he first sort of came onto the scene. I mean, he already, if you were a wine library watcher of his videos, you already knew who he was, but he was just starting to speak and he was going to be at South by Southwest and a friend of mine, we were in an organization together and they wanted to hire him to come speak to this tech organization. And I was going to be at South by and they asked me if I would go watch him and see if he would be appropriate because they'd heard he cussed a little. Yeah, just a little. Just a little. So I didn't know Gary and I sat in the back row and I made hashtags every time he dropped an F-bomb, every time he did the SH word, every time he, you know, sort of did, you know, every single thing you can imagine. And then afterwards, after he finished talking to everybody, and I was always very impressed every time I've seen him, he'll stay as long as the people are there. And so I waited for him for about an hour. And then I told him that I was there to see him for this organization that he was talking to. And they were afraid he cussed too much. He goes, how many did I do? And I read him all the hashtags and he just smiled. He didn't care. And, you know, we didn't end up bringing him in for that fear because it was kind of a conservative group. But, uh, it was one of those things that he didn't care. He was who he was, and that's who he is. And I think that you know you have to you have to be able to spot that if you're interviewing somebody and just sort of let them have a little bit more free range. Yeah, and and he's he's uh, he's a warrior too because when he uh, first of all I loved the social clout because he got to the hotel on whatever it was. He's he's legendary for just back to back to back to back to back. Like it's just what he does. We were like we have no idea when he sleeps or he kisses his kid, but. Um, <laughs> But uh, he tweeted, hey, you know, meet at the Marriott, you know, uh, pool area at 1030. And he walked out the door and 300 people ran to him. I mean, ran (laughs) and surrounded him. He did three hours without moving two feet. Just selfies and conversations and selfies and conversations and selfies and conversations. Little videos, whatever. Um, Went upstairs and then did another hour. Same deal because they kicked us out downstairs. And then I was just sitting in a little, um, in a little group. It was me and uh, Lewis Howes and uh, this dude, uh, this person that was kind of like doing some video work for Lewis and uh, these couple other dudes. And then Gary wrapped up and just came and sat with us. I'm like, how funny is that? He, he spent about 25 minutes with us hanging out. And, I, and um, we just chatted for a minute and, and, 
And, you know, I said, so dude, what's up? <laughs> going to be on my show eventually? He goes, yeah, man, just email me. Just email me straight. <laughs> so I did. I did the other day. Well, so good. we'll see. He goes, we'll do it in June. I'm like, all right. So you hold your breath. All right. Well, we'll, we'll be, we'll be hold looking your for breath. it. I, I, I will tweet it out when he's on your show. Thank you. Hey, so 411 episodes. Most of yeah. them are interviews with entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, people with that entrepreneurial spirit. What is the single or maybe one or two things that you've learned like that's consistent amongst people who have that spirit? Uh, they say yes first, generally. Um, the, the most successful people I've had on my show, and I've, I've been carrying this torch for years, but it's been really evident, uh, which was that successful people will say yes first to opportunity and they'll figure out how to work the details out later. Um, whereas the most, not, I shouldn't say unsuccessful, but common mentality is people will say maybe and then think of 10 reasons why they can't do something. Too much money, too much you know, time, whatever. So the successful people, um, the, the illustration of this is uh, I was at... Um, I was talking to David Wood, who was the first podcast I ever produced. It was a show called The Kick-Ass Life with David Wood. And he was talking about going and climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And they were, on, they were on their way to Africa. They'd stopped at some beautiful island on the way down to Africa. And he met a guy at a bar. And they were going. It was like Sunday. And they were climbing Mount Kilimanjaro on Thursday. So like four days later. And David had been training for months to do this, you know. And so he's talking to this dude at a bar. And they're having a conversation. And... Um, and David says to the guy, oh, you should come with us. You should come with us and climb Kilimanjaro. And he goes, when is it? He goes, Thursday. The guy goes, all right. First of all, it's $20,000. Second of all, you have to have gear. And he just said, yeah, well, let's do it. And then he, he figured out how to make it work. He had his wife go to REI and like get all the gear and they FedExed it and they got it to where it needed to be in time. And the guy climbed Kilimanjaro the four days later. And so it's like, that's, I mean, obviously that required a lot of money, but but it would be really easy to, um, it, it's when, when something happens, the, the, the best illustration of this is when you have a, a major, if someone has an accident or they have a major medical problem, stuff gets reshuffled and it works. Like you figure out how to make it work. The kids still get fed. The kids still get to their school. You know, like it, it you can deal with it, you know? So it's having that kind of priority in your life for things that you could love or they could make amazing experiences. That's what these successful people do. They go, yeah, we'll figure it out. And everything's figure outable, as Amy Porterfield said on my show. Hey, I've, I got, I've got two more questions for you. But first, okay. I've got to thank the sponsor of the show. And, and I'm late for the mid-roll read because it's been so much fun talking to you. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Michael O'Neill. If you want to start a podcast, and a lot of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And they have been a great partner ever since I started this podcast. So, Michael, the last, the last couple of questions are, first of all, how important do you find sort of networking and people to the success that you've created? 99.479%. It's, it's yeah, it's, um, it's almost everything. I mean, 
uh, I barely set foot in, in uh, uh, any of the, uh, you know, keynotes or speeches or anything from this whole conference. But I made crazily awesome connections, you know, in the bar and in the restaurants and at the, at the, at the mixers, at the networking events. Well, the best, uh, the best yeah. part of conferences are those impromptu hallway conversations. Always. Except as a keynoter, I don't like to hear you say you don't go to the keynotes. Go, go to my keynote and then Sorry. go to the hallway. It's, uh, you got to be just as interesting as the, the great conversation <laughs> I'm having right outside the hallway. No, um, I, you know, in, in, obviously there's caveats when you've got some baller like you that's doing the keynote. You're going to go in and see some Tom Singer, let's be honest. But, <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're outside in the hallway with, you know, Seth Godin and, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk and Tim Ferriss, you might hang there for a second just <laughs> before you go on. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You know. So but yeah, it's the most important thing, I think. So yeah, and I mean, I ask that question, it's a little bit self-serving since that's a topic that I teach, but very rarely does anyone say no. And when they do, they usually have sort of a jacked up definition of what it is to network. And when we really talk through it and we get down to the definition of the creation of long-term and mutually beneficial relationships, people go, oh, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I like mutually beneficial long-term relationships. I just don't like networking. And it's like, uh, that's the same thing there, buddy. Well, the, the other side of that is that you don't have to get a ticket to the event. I've, I've, some of the best networking I've done, I've been unconferencing at an event. So I'll just go there. You know, I did it in Portland a couple of years ago when I went to the World Domination Summit and had the best time, met some amazing people while I was there. Um, this year, I did it at Traffic and Conversion, which was here in San Diego, another big internet marketing conference, and met some amazing people, amazing, amazing people that I, I know I will have long-term relationships with. So just get there. Just get in front of those people and that will, that will make a huge difference in your business for sure. So Michael, my last question, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So what is the coolest thing you're doing right now? I'm going to tell you, um, I can tell you the thing I'm doing with my car, but there's a, a better story that I want to tell you about the cool thing that uh, this entrepreneur is doing. So um, I've been playing music my whole life. I'm a drummer. And my brother is a phenomenal guitar player. We've played in many, many bands together uh, in our lives. And the, the, uh, I would say the most recent band we played in was in Colorado in the mid-aughts. Uh, we played Red Rocks with that band, which is one of the best venues in the world. We, we were very popular around the you know, Denver, Boulder area. And on May 24th, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to see a band there. I'm going to, there's a band that's the furthest west they're making it uh, is, is going to be Denver. So I'm, like, I'm going to fly out and go see this band. And the thing with my brother is that despite having played his whole life and my whole life, he's never owned a pro quality instrument. Um, he's always owned like, you know, the Fender Squire, which is like the, the learning guitar, not the actual Fender Stratocaster, but the Squire. And so months ago, I thought I should get my brother like a big boy guitar, like a real guitar. So as I was um, thinking about doing this, you know, going to see this band in May, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could somehow make a reunion show happen? So this band that we played together, I wonder if we could, we're all there now. Pat moved, my, my brother moved back to Colorado and everyone else is still there. I wonder if we could like put one show together and do like, you know, dude, we're getting the band back together. So um, a couple phone calls, a couple text messages, and there was a, a girl, um, I posted something on Facebook, and there's a girl that owns one of the premier 
you know, music venues in Boulder that was like, we would love to host you guys. We loved that band. We would love to have you guys. So I said, sweet. So now we're doing a show at a place called Shine Boulder on May 28th in Boulder. And, um, and I thought, wait a second. That is the perfect day for me to give my brother his like big boy guitar of all time. So I'm in the process of searching. He plays lefty. So I'm in the process of searching for a left-handed Paul Reed Smith Custom 24, um, which is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You guys should Google it. It's a beautiful guitar. And um, I'm going to, the ruse is going to be that I'm going to have the whole back plate engraved. There's a little black, uh, black back plate on it. And I'll have engraved, but then I'm going to cover the, the, the engraving up with black vinyl. You won't be able to tell. I'll screw it back on. You won't be able to tell. It'll look like just factory default. And, and I'll put a sticker. I'll put some gaffers tape on there and put a sticker like it's a rental. And I'm going to be like, dude, I got you this killer guitar for the show. What do you think? Um, this is why I was asking you about the guitar. So he'll get to play it. He'll be like halfway through playing it. My intention is to stop in the middle of a song. Well, I'm not going to tell the band. I'm going to be like, dude, something's wrong with your guitar. And kind of do this and then peel the vinyl off and say, this is yours. So I'm so excited about that. Of course, you just told the whole world on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. That's all right. They don't know him. They don't know the whole deal. When's it going to go out? Uh, uh, next week. Yeah, it'll be fine. So. I trust that no one's going to ruin the surprise. And if anybody out there knows, has any connections to uh, a, either a music store or Paul Reed Smith, uh, please reach out to me because I, uh, I got a budget. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Hey, yeah. the last thing is, is that I do want you to talk really quick about the cool things you do with your car and what you're doing tonight because I, okay. I, I just think that's great. And then I'll let you go because I know you have a long drive. Yeah, so, um, my, so I have a vintage uh, Porsche 911 that I restored 10 years ago. I got it uh, rusting away in a field in Boulder, Colorado, or in Lafayette, Colorado. And I spent four years and 2,000 hours restoring it. And so now it's... Um, it's it's always a constant work in progress, but in the fall in the, of the last two years, I've been doing this thing called the Targa Baja California, which is a thousand mile rally through Mexico. Um, I'm, I'm in San Diego, so it's 15 minutes away, and we have full support. We've got Federales escorts, and the, the rule last year, the Federales guy said, is no one over 200, which meant 200 miles an hour, and they weren't kidding. Um, we... <laughs> Last year, they took a selfie. The Federales and a guy in the, in the group, they each had their phones out, took, taking a picture of each other, like that Top Gun thing where they were upside down, um, at 150 miles an hour on a two-lane road. So um, that is what's going on there. And so um, the, last, uh, <coughs> the last one we did, this, this documentary filmmaker guy started filmed the whole thing. And so the documentary of that event is finished, and my car is one of the stars. So that premieres tonight in L.A. Um, at some theater. I'm not sure yet. But my, my, uh, my, <laughs> my lock broke. My car's 47 years old. So my, um, my door latch broke. And so I'm, I'm having to disassemble my door today to replace the latch so I can get on the road by like noon and, and get, to up, get up to L.A. So that's what's going on right now. Well, and I appreciate the fact that you still jumped on here and talked to us on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. That's fun, man. I knew it was going to be awesome. No, this has so, been great. And it's been a great you know, journey. And you're one of the people who sort of helped inspire me to do this show. And it's, it's actually led me to, to more business. And, and, and I, I use it for my clients. I interview some of my clients on here and, and use it as a marketing tool for them. It has just been, been become a big part of my life. So I really appreciate your influence in helping me get here. Oh, yeah, of course. And I, and I always do episode 170s. That's my rule. Is that your rule? 170s yeah. all about if you. If someone says, um, 
can you be on my show? I'm like, I don't know. They're like, it's 170. I'm like, I'm oh, in. Of course. Let's do it. Sign me up right now. Yeah, I'm in. So that's so I very much appreciate it. I knew I look, you're you're uh, you're hyper successful in your industry. No, uh, no doubt that you are going to be successful in the in the uh, podcast world. So I'm glad you've done it and you've managed to go more than seven episodes. That's, that's right. So Michael O'Neill, if somebody listened to this episode and they think I need to jump over and hear the solopreneur hour or they want to find out more about all the things you do, how do they find you? You know, if as your podcast coach, I might have I might have uh, suggested you did this at the beginning of the show, just in case someone didn't follow all the way to the end of the show. But uh, they they can go to uh, the Solopreneur Hour or at Solo Hour pretty much everywhere. So SoloHour.com or on Instagram or on Snapchat or on, you know, all the all the devices on the Twitter, the whole bit. The whole bit. Well, yeah, I think and the caboodle. I, I think that you will be happy if you find Michael O'Neill and you start following him and you listen to his show. He does a lot of good things. I agree. All right. Well, 100%. Again, I've, never been, I've never been more in congruency with you, Tom. <laughs> again, thanks for being on the show. And to everybody who listened, as I always say, without you, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you for tuning in. Jump over to iTunes and leave a review. As Michael can attest to, reviews on iTunes really matter. So jump over there and, and, and leave a nice positive review if you like the show. And we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Michael O'Neill. I know, Michael, that well, might let's, seem let's hard. I, I thought you would have trouble believing that, but it's true. We'll be back with somebody just as cool in a couple days. But we'll in see. the meantime, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.